episode 60 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on November 22nd, 2017. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This week on the show, Game Update 5.6 is almost here. I'll cover some features coming in this update and some of the features not coming in this update. I'm looking at you, new war zone. Unassembled components will now be legacy-wide. That's not the only change happening to UCs. I'll have the details later in the show. The Master's Datacron is a new level 70 boost coming in 5.6. I'll tell you how much it costs and how it works. And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed and check out the state of the Old Republic. Welcome to episode 60 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another great show lined up for you today. As always, let's start with some announcements for the Old Republic. And I don't have much in the way of announcements this week, just a reminder of some upcoming events uh, in the Old Republic, and most of these are set to kick off on November 28th. We have the Rakul Plague outbreak on Tatooine, which runs from November 28th through December 5th. And remember, if you want to get Dr. Loken as a companion, this is the time to get that done. There will also be another Double Rewards event that runs from November 28th through December 5th. And, of course, Game Update 5.6, a trader among the Chiss, will go live on the 28th as well. Looking beyond that, we're coming up on the 6th anniversary of Star Wars The Old Republic, so expect there to be some in-game goodies coming our way. And soon, Life Day celebrations will begin, and with the server mergers, there will be no shortage of people to pelt with snowballs to get those snow-covered parcels. Galactic Sales Week has begun on the cartel market. It goes until the 28th. There will be a daily 25% off sale on different items. And one of my favorite things is the 50% discount on unlocking items in your collection. One of the best bargains going around, and in fact I spent some coins, unlocking color crystals which can no longer be transferred via Legacy Weapon. If you have some crystals laying around, now is a good time to unlock them and add them to your collection. And many of them are kind of old, which is to say they are bronze quality. So you can unlock them for the low price of 30 cartel coins each. Well, that's it for the announcements. Let's slice the holonet and get to the news this week. And the weeks continue to fly by, and November 28th is nearly upon us. And that means Game Update 5.6, A Trader Among the Chiss. This week, Eric Musco provided an update on some of the features coming and some of the features not coming in 5.6. Case in point, here's what he said about the new war zone. As we are getting closer to the launch of the update, we feel we need just a little bit more time to really bring the new Yavin war zone up to quality. We are going to pull it out of game update 5.6. Instead, it will now launch as part of 5.6.1, only two weeks later on December 12th. We apologize for the delay in the war zone. We know there's a lot of excitement for it, and we are eager to get it to you as quick as we can. 
Now, it looks like the Warzone is the only feature getting pulled from 5.6. They are still on target to deliver the following. The new Flashpoint on Capero, a planet in the Chiss Ascendancy. It will have solo story, group story, veteran, and master modes, and the continuation of the Alliance Traitor storyline, and the return of Reina Temple. Nahut, the third boss in Gods from the Machine Operation, uh, story and veteran modes will be available. There's going to be a new uh, Galactic Starfighter Deathmatch map set in orbit over Iocath. Significant changes to Group Finder, a new UI, all queuing in one place, upgraded rewards, and solo activities added as well. And I'm very curious to see what else they're doing with the Group Finder. I think this could be one of the, the bigger changes coming in 5.6. Also coming in 5.6, legacy-wide credits and unassembled components. There are changes to Galactic Command disintegration, so gear now disintegrates directly into unassembled components to help mitigate RNG. There is a new item, the Master's Datacron. This allows you to take any existing character and boost them to level 70. And this boost does not progress story. And I'll talk about that in just a minute here. And then there's more. And we know that one of the and mores are the new higher level augments and another are as changes to class disciplines. Both those happening in game update 5.6. So I want to now take a closer look at some of the items for game update 5.6. First is the delay of the new war zone. On the one hand, it's good that they identified issues prior to release and are taking the time to get things right. If they had released it and then found out there were issues based on player feedback, that, of course, would be bad. So that means their internal testing is working. But I can't help but wonder, though, if they had released this onto a public test server and let players bang away at it, if these issues would have been discovered sooner and been addressed such that they could have released it on time. It's hard to say, and I don't know what's involved in setting up a PTS and managing the builds that they push out, but I am a firm believer in open player testing, and for whatever reason, BioWare doesn't do nearly enough of it. At least it won't be a huge delay in getting it out to us. One of the features I'm really looking forward to is legacy credits and legacy unassembled components. The legacy credits are pretty straightforward. You'll have the option to deposit credits from any of your characters into your legacy cargo hold, just like guild banks, and then those credits will be available to all of your characters. Great quality of life change here. The legacy unassembled components are a little more involved, and they're doing more than just making the components legacy-wide. In addition to war zones and master mode ops bosses, we'll now get unassembled components from disintegrating items from crates. According to Eric Musco, the general rule is stuff with stats breaks down to unassembled components. Everything else will still break down to CXP. He said there may be exceptions, but that was the guiding principle behind the change. Also, unassembled components will no longer be tracked via the currency tab. It's now a stackable legacy item. So the good news is there's no longer a cap on unassembled components. The bad news is we now have an item that we need to store in our inventory and keep track across multiple characters. As a legacy currency, your unassembled components would automatically be tracked in a single location, i.e. the currency tab. Now it's up to you to manage that consolidation. And I'm a perennial quality of life person, so yeah, this bugs me, but only a little bit. 
Now, because unassembled components will come from disintegrating items, the costs are changing. According to Eric, costs for all items via unassembled components will be doubled in 5.6. But everywhere you previously gained unassembled components, war zones, missions, and ops will also double. This totally breaks even. There is no change to the rate of gaining and spending unassembled components. The team set those numbers higher to be able to get the values for breaking down items from Galactic Command in place. Now, someone asked what will happen to current unassembled components that we've earned but haven't spent. And Eric said that the unassembled components that we currently possess will increase by the same rate as everything else so that they retain their current value. There's no need to go on a spending spree before 5.6 goes live. So in short, the cost of items for unassembled components has been increased. The unassembled component mission rewards, etc. have been increased by the same rate. The unassembled components that you currently possess has also been increased by the same rate. So basically what's happening is the cost reward ratio is staying where it is now. Legacy unassembled components are the last big quality of life change for Galactic Command. With this change, I believe it's now theoretically possible, albeit highly impractical, to gear alts by only playing a main tune. I can just PvP and run ops on my main tune and transfer mods and enhancements via legacy gear. I can use the unassembled components to upgrade armor and weapons. Unassembled components can be used by an alt to purchase 236 relics implants and earpieces which can further be upgraded by unassembled components like i said it's highly impractical but our reliance on crates for gear is greatly diminished from where it began one other cool feature coming in game update 5.6 is the master's datacron this is an item that lets you boost any character to level 70 bioware released a blog post about it and here's how it will work you can purchase it from the cartel market for 2,000 cartel coins, which I believe is the same cost as the 60-65 token. The item is tradable and can be sold on the GTN. Unlike the 60-65 token, this one is used on an existing character, so you need to make sure that you're on the right character when you go to use it. You can't use it on a character that's already level 70. That would be really stupid. You can use it on a character that's level 69 and one XP point away from level 70. That too is really stupid, but also hilarious to think about. Now the Master's Datacron uh, comes with the Eternal Commander Equipment Bundle. The bundle comes with two items, the Master's Datacron and the Eternal Commander Equipment Box, which is a set of level 70 gear. Now boosting to level 70 is a little involved, but not too bad. What you do is this, on the character you wish to boost, just right click on the Master's Datacron and you'll perform an 8 second cast which says promoting to level 70. When the cast completes, you'll get not one, but two confirmation pop-ups. You get two chances to change your mind. Once you've confirmed, you'll get transported to your ship. Once there, you'll get a mission in your log called Master's Datacron. After a few seconds, it will automatically automatically complete and you'll be level 70 woohoo and it should be noted that you will be granted your ship so if you have a level one character and the first you log into the game and the first thing you do is click on this master's datacron you will be granted your ship however you'll still be able to go get your ship 
through your class story. It does not impact that. Now, to use the equipment box, you need to go in and choose a discipline. Once you've chosen your discipline, you can right-click on the equipment box, and you'll receive a full set of level 70 gear tied to your chosen discipline. And that's it. You're done. You're now level 70. And I have to say, I am abnormally excited about this. The fact that it doesn't progress story is awesome. You can create a new character, boost it to level 70, and still have all of the content to explore. And remember, you'll earn CXP instead of regular XP, and you can jump into that right away or go straight to the end game. Now, I don't know what kind of gear you'll get, but if this is an alt, you probably have enough command tokens to buy a set of 230 gear with your set bonus. And I imagine that that 230 gear is probably going to be better than what you start out with. One thing to keep in mind here is even though the token doesn't progress story, if you start, if you start Knights of the Fallen Empire or Knights of the Eternal Throne, you will progress your story and lock yourself out of a lot of content. I'm not saying you can't do that. But if you want to do your class story or Shadow of Revan and Zyost, don't start Fallen Empire or Eternal Throne until you get those done. I now want to get to the centerpiece of game update 5.6, and that's the continuation of the Alliance Trader storyline. Now, if you recall, back in October, we got this exciting trailer for a trader among the Chiss. Good timing, Commander. It seems the right people saw your broadcast to Theron. I just approved a landing request from an unarmed shuttle from the Chiss Ascendancy. The envoy claims he has a lead on where Theron went. If someone spotted Theron, that means we can reach him before he makes a huge mistake. A pleasure to finally meet you, Commander. Aristocrat Saganu of the Chiss Expansionary Defense Force. You said you have information on Theron? Information that will benefit us both. Theron Shan is hiding on the Chiss world of Copero. He's receiving aid from Syndic Zenta of House Inrokini in exchange for Alliance secrets. With our help, you can catch them both unaware. But we can't capture Theron without igniting a political war. But if a strike team were to land and take care of the problem, the Ascendancy will look the other way. Let's bring Theron home. So we are going to face off against Theron Shan and maybe get some closure on that bit of story that started with Iocath and then continued with a crisis on Umbara. In addition to the trailer, they recently released a short story on Capero. I'm not going to read it all, but I do want to cover this one section. And what's going on here is there's two characters, a female named Pova and then a male who, although was never named, it can be inferred that it is Theron Shan. And Pova is giving Theron some intel on Capero and its ruler's house myth. Pova shook her head again. Their shipbuilding business has hit some hard times. House Inrokini bailed them out with a huge investment, so they're the real power these days. Not that myth advertises the fact, of course. Sounds like I need to make some friends from Inrokini then. The contact tucked his data pad into his coat, then checked a chrono on his wrist. How'd you two meet? Pova didn't even try to hide her look of surprise. What? Your source. The contact tucked his hands into his pockets and casually leaned back against the building behind him. I'm a sucker for a good romance. How'd you meet her? Pova scowled a bit, but acquiesced. We rode the same train route on Corellia. Made each other as spies, chased each other around town, took a few shots back and forth. You know how it is when you meet someone you like. Apparently not. 
Well, once the ammo ran dry and we were down to knives, we got to talking and figured out we weren't specifically ordered to kill each other, so we agreed to go our separate ways. Pova smiled as she checked that the alley was clear again, then turned back. Next morning, I hopped my usual train, and who's there, bandaged, bandaged up almost as bad as me? Same taste in clothes, always a good sign. Obviously, we weren't supposed to know each other, but the bandages were the perfect cover for striking up a conversation. She gave her fake name, I gave mine. We told each other our made-up stories of how we got injured. We both missed our stops. We were laughing so much. Things just went from there. The contact straightened back up, but kept his hands in his pockets, turning a bit toward one end of the alley. Speaking of missing your stop, we've got a ride to catch. Luckily, not a train this time. He gave a brief, respectful nod and started to walk away. Pova turned to leave in the opposite direction, but heard him speak after she'd taken a few steps towards the street. Must have been hard. She turned back and saw him looking over his shoulder toward her, his expression inscrutable. He continued, Different jobs, different goals, loads of secrets. Hell, you nearly killed each other. Pova considered the question for a moment. Droplets of oily rain started to fall, spattering and pinging off metal and glass all around them. When you know something's right, you do whatever it takes. The contact looked off into the distance a moment, then nodded thoughtfully. The rain picked up as she disappeared into the dark alleyway. Pova turned and set off toward her ship, threading effortlessly into the crowds, navigating Narshada's sea of rain-slicked durasteel and glimmering lights. I like this short story, and that bit with Pova talking about her complicated relationship with her significant other, a potential rival, in a way, it parallels our relationship with Theron Sean. When he says, must have been hard, different jobs, different goals, loads of secrets, it shows that he has this tiny sliver of doubt. He's looking to Pova for reassurance that he's doing the right thing. And Pova tells him, when you know something's right, you do whatever it takes. Now, in Pova's case, the right thing was saving her relationship. It remains to be seen if that's important to Theron or if the right thing is going through with this betrayal. I'm excited to get more story, but I'm also a little nervous about this one. In fact, I'm torn as how I want this to go. If Theron truly betrays the Alliance, well, then that's heartbreaking. On the other hand, if we get to Capero and we see Theron and everything's cool, it may feel like a bit of a letdown. One thing that I definitely don't want to find out is that Theron was acting against his will. I want Theron to be in control of himself, right? Know exactly what he's doing. I don't want to find out that he was coerced, brainwashed, or anything crazy like that. I want this to be 100% Theron doing what he thinks is right. Traitor Among the Chiss will be told via a new Flashpoint, and it goes live on November 28th, just a few more days now. One more item for the day, I wanted to talk about the merge and its impact on Stronghold's decorations and conquest. Heading into the merge, I hadn't gotten my conquest bonus to 150%. I hate just dumping chairs and hanging up random pictures in strongholds. I actually like to decorate them. Prior to the merge, the stronghold cap was raised to 10, and the conquest bonus was capped at 150%. If you happen to have merging legacies, then you likely had duplicate strongholds. For example, two Dromancos apartments. The hope was that the conquest bonus would calculate based on all of your available strongholds. Well, it turns out that's not the case. It's only counting unique versions. In other words, if you have two Dromancos apartments, only one of them will count towards the bonus. Luckily, it's not random, so it will count the one that has the highest completion percentage. 
While this is disappointing, it also makes complete sense. The ability to have more than one copy of a stronghold is a byproduct of merging legacies. Not everyone had legacies that merged together, and thus not everyone has multiple copies of a stronghold. Even though the stronghold cap was set at 10, it was possible to go beyond that. In fact, I had 11. So the way it works ensures an even playing field for all players. Almost. And I say almost because it turns out, if you had merging legacies, the consolidation of decorations did not work the way they said it would. What was supposed to happen was this. If you had 15 chairs on Legacy A and 10 chairs on Legacy B, when the two legacies merged, you would have 15 chairs. The way it actually worked was this. Instead of 15 chairs, you ended up with 25 after the merge. In my case, I transferred a character from Shadowlands to Jedi Covenant. When I did that, that character on Jedi Covenant had all of the decorations I had on Shadowlands. When the legacies merged, my decorations were doubled. This meant I had a whole slew of decorations available to use that I shouldn't have, some of them rare and expensive. It also screwed up prestige as it's based on the number of decorations you owned. So some people had you know, as many as three legacies merging together and just have ridiculous prestige now as a result. There's been no official acknowledgement of this and no word on if or when it will be fixed. This is a pretty big deal, though. If you were to find a way to dupe decos like this, it'd be considered an exploit. You'd be banned. Obviously, that's not going to happen in this case because this was created by Bioware and we had no control over what happened with these decorations. So I would just say this. Decorate at your own risk. If I had to guess, Bioware will fix it by adjusting the total decorations you have, but will leave any decorations that you've placed alone. So, for example, let's say you had one chair, but after the merge you had two, and you placed both chairs in a stronghold after the fix. Instead of showing that you've decorated two of two chairs, it will show that you've decorated two of one chair. The two you've placed will still be there, but if you pick one up, you'll lose it, and you won't be able to decorate any more chairs until you acquire more. I think that's how they're going to resolve it, but again, nothing has been said about that. And a final note for today, uh, Bioware just announced that they are planning to bring back character transfers transfers with Game Update 5.6 on November 28th. Uh, if that changes, they'll let us know. But that's the plan right now. And they are going to come back for a limited time at the pre-United Forces cost of 90 cartel coins per transfer. So, once again, transfers look like they're coming back. With 5.6, they're going to be at the 90 cartel coin price that we're used to. So if you want to move some characters around, that is the time to do it. And that's all I've got for today. Let me cue the music and congratulate you on surviving another half hour listening to episode 60 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show site, which is SotorPodcast.com, and there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at SotorPodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at SotorPodcast or send me a direct message, and be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the show. Look for episode 61 on November 28th, and remember the Sith Code, hate is a lot.